Well, hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Red Couch Theology Podcast. Hey, if you're a fan of our show, that would be, it would be super helpful if you uh, give us a rating on your favorite podcast service or whatever. It really does help the algorithm thing and all of that jazz get the word out. This week on our episode, we're going to be talking about transformation. What is it about being an evangelical Christian that sometimes makes us feel like God's a little bit disappointed with us and treats us like a a project or a person that needs to be fixed? Uh, We're going to talk about that. Um, We're going to talk about the fact that God doesn't feel that way about us. But we also fielded a great question from you all about identity. And how does identity have a relationship with transformation? And can discovering our God-given identity be most, one of the most transformative things that happens to us? So uh, I feel like I'm already giving away too much. So let's just dive in to our episode. Thanks. The headphones make us go live. Heidi ho, good neighbors. (laughs) Is that how we're opening now? Heidi ho, good neighbors. Do you know what that's from? Uh, No. All right, I, I like want this dramatic pause, and then someone fills in the blank. But I, we don't have anyone here. But we will on the eleventh. We will. <laughs> See what I, I did there? I did. Yeah. But I, I need. I still need closure on like what's it from? Yes. Um. You you need closure on what it's from. It's from Tim the Toolman Taylor, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, next yeah, door neighbor, yeah, would peek his head over the yeah, fence. Yeah. Heidi Ho, good neighbor. Oh uh, yeah. And uh, I don't know why that. Because I barely watched that show as a kid, but <laughs> that Heidi Ho, I do it all the time. Yes. And uh, there you go. There's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, you know, speaking of closure, I think you infuriated the congregation on Sunday. Good. Why? Yeah. What did I do? You showed a the satisfaction of a lawn mowing situation and then didn't show the final product. (laughs) You lost me, man. I was done. I was, I almost walked out. Yeah. Good for you. (laughs) I just gave people this beautiful gift of, of like, they get to be part of an army of people that watches this transformation every single week. Yeah, so like I think it was like I get that you fast forward or something and whatever because it's a long YouTube video, but I just wanted I was like, it, you're like, isn't it so satisfying? I'm like, yeah, it will be as soon as I see it, and, and then you just cut it off. I was like, no, not satisfying. But here's at my all. question: Would that not have told you that transformation did get complete, which would have been against the whole point of the message? Wait, 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 wait. I'm confused now. If you'd have seen a completed transformation, then it might have implied that you're complete as a transformation. I wanted to leave people in the tension of it's still a transformation underway. You may feel all of these tensions with yourself, but God is still working. Then say that. Like, point out my discomfort. It was an implicit teaching, not an explicit teaching. I don't know. If anyone else is with me who was like, Wait, 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 wait. Oh, no. Back to the sermon. Like, that's not what you want to happen. Your sermon was great. Here's, here's, what, here's what, um, what I would say is if something infuriates me, if it infuriates you about me, uh, then my wife would say you're in good company. Um, and if you tell me, I'm more likely to keep doing it. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's not what I want uh, at all. Because um, my transformation is very incomplete. Um, <laughs> No, we were, it's, yeah, it's yeah. it's great. I no, it was a great message. I just um, 
it was just one of those moments where I was like, wow, people are going to really wish that they saw the outcome. And so much so that I thought about pulling it up here and just showing them the final <laughs> product just to like release the tension. That would have been so nice. Cause you're not I just want votes. Like I feel like for some reason when we have debates on here and we like fight with each other just yeah. playfully that people love that. Yeah. And so. I would say, I'm glad I did it. <laughs> and i would say you should have showed us the final product oh man and but you're not a project your journey and none of this matters anyway speaking of not a project mm -hmm. that leads to our first question yeah i love it um yeah it was it was great i have some thoughts that i'd like to ask you about myself as well that i took some notes on but we actually did have a question come in from you all this week and the question goes as as following I appreciate you saying that we are not projects. Um, the opening of that question makes me wonder, like, did you go to an environment where you were treated like a project and stuff? We can't ask you. So we don't know who asked this question. Hopefully that you didn't feel like a project in the past in church or whatever. But I appreciate you saying that we're not projects. We're all on a journey of transformation towards Jesus. Would you talk about the role of identity on the transformation journey? Last Saturday's learning session or South Collective, which is um, our sort of leadership development for our mm -hmm. congregation. Which was amazing. Environment. Yeah, it was awesome. It was titled What God Made You For, was all centered around identity and discovering mm -hmm. and unearthing God's unique design for you. Uh, seems relevant at this time. So let me read that again without all my interjections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, would you talk about the role of identity on the transformation journey? Uh, I think that that conversations relevant yeah so i think i think uh the what did you miss the first part of the question then though like, no i said i appreciate you saying oh, yeah, we're okay, not okay. that's bit, yeah, part i was trying to remember um yeah. so so i do think there is a tendency in church to think that people are um something to be fixed or, or even for us to feel like we're something that god is trying to fix yeah. You know, because we see the, you know, I, I always joke. Yeah, with that's people, actually how I feel right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. probably something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty confident. Yeah. No. So, so I, yeah, I, I joke with people regularly, like, you know, people have to listen to me talk. I have to listen to me talk all the time. Like, it's just as bad as you might imagine. Like, it's, it's a terrible experience. Like, I live inside, you know, this, this conversation in my head all the time. So we know our own flaws, right? Like, there's a whole bunch of people that seem very oblivious, but I think a lot of Christians you meet are very deeply aware of the ways they feel flawed. They're, 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 as a group of people, we're not awfully good at liking ourselves because I think a lot of us, we feel pretty unlikable. Yeah. Um, and, and so that raises a load of questions like, what's the difference between God loving me and God liking me? Are those, mm -hmm. those words synonyms in that case, or are they, they distinct? So I think I've met lots, and I would say I've landed in this camp multiple mm. times in my life. It's been easier for me to believe that God loves me than that he likes me. Yeah, because love is a choice. You have to do that because you're God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's but, always a get out, right? But he doesn't like me. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so I think that leads to this idea that hey, I'm a project. God will slowly fix me. And by implication, in the same way we feel about projects around the house, we'll be happy when it's done. Like, like for me, there's this moment ah. where I get to this point of like, I've got an ongoing project. Maybe I was excited about starting it, but it gets hung up on different things. I can't afford the materials I want or like it didn't work out quite as I planned or I get pulled off on other things. and I'm kind of just irritated by it. 
until that moment where I can like cut the ribbon and say it's done. Yeah. Have you ever set up a ribbon in your house for like a like tiling <sighs> project or something? Do. I'm going to now. <laughs> if I ever finish a project. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never yeah. completed anything. <laughs> that's, <Not me. laughs> that's funny. So, so I think that that like, if that's the implication, then then you're only ever going to be comfortable that God is 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 on board with you when um, when you're finished, and you never will be. Now, now, interestingly, there's the same potential dilemma with a journey. Because as a metaphor, because we mostly we mostly think about journeys as being purposeful, so we want to get to the end. There's very few of us out there that actually still take journeys because the journey itself is fun. Like, uh, at least in England, and, and you would know over here, but you didn't mm. grow up here, so maybe you don't even know. Like, in England, there's a whole generation of people that went out for Sunday afternoon drives. Like yeah. free, like lots of television. We did that free. when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, what we're we gonna do? We're gonna go for a drive, um, and that's what people did, and and that's rare now. People yeah. and Denver is notorious, I think, for like uh, since I moved here, I've become full Denverite. I'm like, someone wanted to sell someone. Someone was selling something on Facebook the other day, and they said, "Oh, do you want to come over to pick it up?" I'm in East Centennial, and I was like, "No, I'm gonna go to East Centennial." I got to go all the way around 470. I'm like, it's like, it's like 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and Sheesh. like that, that idea now, like, like, so where someone is, who's living in LA is like, yeah, I, I, my commute's four hours and I live six <laughs> miles from my yeah, work yeah, yeah. place. Yeah, in Michigan, I used to commute, I used to commute 35 minutes each way in in Michigan Yeah, uh, for a whole season of life. Um, so now I've become <laughs> like a real Denver. I'm like, oh, I go past Englewood. Like, like even then, like, yeah. So, now you need like a Harley Davidson or like a convertible or yeah. some sort of fast car in order to go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. so like that we're, we're just, we're less and less those people journeys have a purpose, which is to get to the end. Um, and so I almost didn't use the journey metaphor. Originally, I was going to use the story metaphor. You're a story that's been written because even though we don't like the downs in stories, we actually see value in them more easily. Yeah, than we you see. need the downs. There is no story without the downs. Yeah. yeah. So, so everyone has to have a challenge. Everyone has to have this moment of like, um, what do they call it? An inciting incident. Yeah, crisis. Yeah, yeah inciting yeah. incident. Um, so I nearly used that as the, the major metaphor, but the visual on the map felt just too clear yeah. to be able to like, to, to, to lose. Like I was like, that just like, feels like it can burn in people's heads a little more. But I do, I think both journey and story work better than project. Um, especially if, if you can get to this idea, which was really the, the emotional takeaway on Sunday, which is Jesus is, is incredibly both a destination that we're moving towards and a partner in the journey with us. Yeah. Um, so you made a comment just about five minutes ago that I wanted to drill into. You said, I think as a group of people, we tend to feel like projects. And so are you referring to Christians? Specifically? Evangelical Christians. So evangelical. So yeah, what's up with it? So are, does that mean that people who are generally have low self-esteem are drawn to becoming evangelical Christians? Or does that mean that evangelicalism question, has yeah. created the feeling of of projectness, like mm. I'm a project. Yeah, I I, I think is it, there a correlation? At its worst, I think evangelical Christianity uh, can give you this sense of like because it's it's 
especially if it's beginning points, uh, you are sinful, Jesus died for you, he's going to make you a better person. Well, surely the goal is for that to happen as quickly as possible. Um, now, actually, maybe that is okay as a goal. Maybe God's transformation is desired as being quick, and let's let's keep going. Let's keep yeah. moving. I, I don't think I'm, I have a problem with that, but I think it's the implication that he's not happy till he's done, um, which isn't the Jesus that we're presented with. Uh, like I, I, lo- I love the one of the things I someone told me when I first started working as a youth pastor, however many years ago, was you know if you uh, if you get three years into youth ministry and you've only got twelve students and all of the, uh, and one of them wants to kill you and they never understand your illustrations, then you're in really good company. Yeah, um, because yeah, G- Jesus was that. Um, so so I, th- I think I I think for whatever reason like. And maybe I'm I'm projecting my own insecurities that I've had over the years of faith, but it's actually something that's come up regularly to me in in counseling conversations and things that yeah. There's a whole bunch of people that feel like no, God's not very happy with me, really. Um, yeah, I think and, I even told the story on the on the podcast in the past that like when I went on sabbatical, I kind of had this like soul searching day mm-hmm. one day, and I I was like, do I do I not believe that God loves me? I mean. I, and I wrestled with that and I kind of got come to the conclusion. No, I actually do believe he loves me. I just think he's wrong. Yeah. yeah. I think he's foolish for loving yeah. me. <laughs> yes. Um, and Which then, actually doesn't feel like a bad conclusion to come to. Yes. It took me a while because actually I was like, but it still is like this barrier between him and I, mm. because it's almost like I refuse to let him. Hmm. Yeah, because I doubted his. Um, I always joke that <laughs> with my with my wife whenever she she like asks me, "Hey, how do you spell this word?" I'm like, "I used to think you were a smart person until you <laughs> thought that I was capable of spelling." <laughs> and the fact that you asked me for a spelling recommendation has made me question your intelligence. It's, that's kind of how I feel about God. Like yeah. the fact that you love me, like I, yeah. I thought you were a genius, you know, your sermon on the Mount, yeah. all the brilliant things. Uh, and then you said you loved me. And I was like, I don't know if you're so smart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This, this seems like, yeah. And, and so, so, but then in the like same way we've talked and we'll talk about sermon on the Mount as we, we get towards that series, there, there can be this beautiful moment of surrender where you choose to say, I don't see that and I don't get that, but I choose to recognize you're smarter than I am. Yeah. Um, you, I, I choose to realize that your picture of things is more accurate, correct than I am, than, than, I, than mine is. So, so I think that um, like getting to that place of recognizing that, that God loves you exactly where you are, even though he has great plans for the air quotes project Um is is easier if you think of no this is a journey that you're undertaking together mm. and that god is not in a rush to get this journey over god is more of the sunday driver going out for a drive than we are yeah he's happy to continue the journey with us for as long as it takes which is where you landed with this this big idea that i loved is like jesus is the destination move towards him so yeah. like you made the argument on sunday that um Jesus is both the destination and the, the mm-hmm. journey companion mm-hmm. along the way. And so then you're like, I'm striving to get to, oh, you're right next yeah, to me absolutely. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah. 
that interesting question, um, yeah. And so, so I think the, to bring it back to the question there, yeah. like how important is identity? Is that is yeah that has to be our core identity. Now we we had this fun little pre conversation around, like especially around the teaching that Jason brought on 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 Saturday. Yeah. What what when we having this somewhat modern conversation around identity? What do we mean? Because there is this sense of like I am Alex, and I bring all of my. Alexness to every situation and knowing myself knowing like what i'm good at knowing what drives me what i thrive in that's actually an important development mm-hmm. um you bring a completely different now we have some similarities but you bring a whole bunch of other stuff mm-hmm. and that theoretically if we can find out where we both thrive in the things that we do together actually that that's really healthy like for me to try and take over the tech side of this podcast would be chaotic because yeah i can barely turn the lights on when i walk this will be our last episode yeah we're done (laughs) the only reason it worked when aaron was gone is because he set up a system where i could just say hey siri turn on my podcasting equipment hopefully that doesn't (laughs) (laughs) yeah perfect don't listen to him siri (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) we have to be quiet for a while he I was genuinely scared that all of our equipment was going to shut off right there, and then we would have had to like jump back into. I was hoping the, the fact that I said on would I know. be like a breakup. I was, I, I, I was hoping, I was hopeful. Yeah, but <laughs> so, so again, my my technological naivety on uh, on display there. Um, uh, our good friend Jake, actually, my wife was doing uh, birthing classes with mm-hmm. Jake and, and his wife Kaylee this week, mm-hmm. and there was this moment she called me to ask her how to fix the the computer and make it work on the TV. I was like, Jake's there. If he can't do it, I definitely can't do it. Like, <laughs> why are you calling? I thought you were a smart person until <laughs> yeah, yeah. you asked me to fix the tech for you. Yeah, that's right. So, so that like that sense of that that level of identity seems like what we're pushing into a lot now i think with what jason says um and and what we've heard other people come to south and share like people like jamie winship there has to be a an 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 identity that's deeper than these are the giftings i have and these are the things that i like and i don't want to reduce what he said or what jamie said or whoever Mm -hmm. else said down to to that it's not that but but underneath it seems like there's an identity that that we need to root into. Like like I've heard some people phrase it as, um, and Kevin Butcher phrases it beautifully like this as well. Like my identity is, I am a dearly loved son of the father. Like yeah. like th- at that point, nothing matters. Yeah. Like that. Like so. so because other things can be shifted by change, by loss. I was just reading this story about a guy that had multiple brain tumors. And his wife said he's a different person. Like he, yeah. he's, he's, not, mm-hmm. he's not the person I met. His ability to function in different ways is very different now. His emotional cadences are very different now. The things he's interested in doing are very different now. All shifted by one sickness. Yeah. Huh. Now, if he's following Jesus... Has that changed his firm identity as a dearly loved son of the father? Absolutely not. Like that has to be the core. Yeah. So, and I, I, I see what you're trying to say. I think it, there's almost a cart and horse situation. Uh If you get 
the specifics out of order. Like I'm uniquely called to be a bank teller mm -hmm. at this specific, you know, whatever. And for for the sake of Jesus, even like add in yeah. that variable, but you don't have the the original foundational identity of child of God in place, then you won't have the emotional, spiritual, psychological ballast to yeah. hold you steady when the specific calling becomes extremely challenging. So one of the things that came up during that training is the idea that, hey, by the way, once you discover your God-given purpose statement, it it's just the very beginning of an invitation to climb up on a cross and die to Absolutely. self. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. If the, if the, but if you don't believe you're a child of God, why would you ever climb up a cross? Totally, yeah. To, just so that I could be a, you know, a conference speaker? Mm -hmm. That's not worth it to me. But if you know that cord identity, it becomes this motivating force that's strong enough to help yes. you go into the specific. Yeah, yeah. And, and of yeah. course, the, the identity aspect, like it's never meant to give you permission to say i can't do something i don't like ever like like and, and again i think jamie winship does a brilliant job of this because he would say his identity i think if i remember it rightly was militant peacemaker does it enable him to serve well as a police officer definitely it lands in that does that mean he likes going and serving arrest warrants um does it mean he likes like some of the actual functions of being a police officer no he can actually have parts of his job that he hates doing still so long as he keeps his core identity as though, no, in my bigger purpose, mm -hmm. I'm contributing towards bringing peace to a peaceless world. Like, yeah. I, I think that really works. So I, th I think to me, like this, uh, this, this identity has to root deep into to like to being a, a loved son of, of our father. Um, I've noticed my identity shift in really interesting ways along the journey with jesus like i used to have uh, specifically in a church context which i know isn't lots of people's context I, I used to have endless energy for meetings when i wasn't running meetings like i used to be able to go to meeting after meeting after meeting and just be the energizer bunny for the team and throw in uh different content ideas participate with difficult questions all of those things and i could book uh, meetings en endlessly yeah now my tolerance for meetings is a lot less. Uh, Interesting. And actually, like, I have... Because I'm still endless energy for meetings. Yeah, Because I'm not running them. Yeah, no, yeah. So I actually have more desire now than I've ever had to, to shut myself in a study or office and read. Because it's actually closer to, like, my true calling, identity, whatever is that... At my core, I'm a teacher. Like, and I teach in whatever conversation i'm in like it's just like part of who i am mm -hmm. my other core is i'm relational like I'm, i don't have any interest in like doing that outside of a relational aspect as well so yeah. like J jamie jamie winship would say he was a militant peacemaker i might say i was a relational teacher um, mm. which means there's loads of jobs i could do in that realm and be pretty happy um, yeah. so long as I got to have relationships with people and so long as I got to communicate information that I thought was important. Yeah. Um, hmm. so, so I think that like that identity is really important to discover. It's really eye opening. All you need to journey with Jesus, I would suggest is to know that you're a deeply loved son of the father. Yes. Now, so the, 
the sort of power of unearthing some of the specifics comes with this clarity, this energy to, and, and maybe even some empowerment yeah. to where God's designed you to function in a certain way. And there becomes almost this exponential, um, kingdom impact that, yes. that like is very soul and life giving and kingdom challenge. Totally. Like that. I mean, that's the hard yep. part. Like, so like, if you take my words that I just gave, uh, like said about myself, relational, what does that mean? Like that means that I'm going to pick the relationship and the person over the task pretty much every single time. Yep. That for a church staff can be hugely problematic. Yeah. Like, I mean, like if, if there's someone in deep need, it means Alex just walked out the meeting to care for that person. Yep. Like, like that, that mm -hmm. actually can cause some tension. Absolutely, it's the reason yeah. that we have staff in the church that do some really important functions. Um, because that's closer to their calling yeah. that I just wouldn't be good at and South wouldn't be healthy with me doing. Yeah. Um, so, so I think, yeah, it, it both is a gift to you to enter into a challenge for wherever you work to say, how do we compensate for that with other people? Yeah. Um, yep. But That's I think, awesome. I think it is, yes, you're right. It's like suddenly journeying with Jesus has this excitement that builds when you realize not only are you journeying towards Jesus, not only is he a, a companion on the journey with you, but the, you are actually partnering with companioning and journeying with all sorts of other people. Yeah. And, and that you're helping them on their journey. Like that's when it like expands to like more than just a, a, a dialogical relationship. It's suddenly like it's broader than that. Um, um, so one of the things you talked about on Sunday that I want you to unpack more of is you said something along the lines of this. I didn't catch it exactly because I was trying to type. Yeah. Um, but something along the lines of sometimes we want transformation in our ways. Like we desperately want to be transformed into what we think of in a unique thing, whatever it is. The religious leaders didn't like the kind of transformation they saw. Mm. So they're like, so you talked about these religious leaders, these blind, this blind guy shows up on the scene and they're like, yeah, like transformation into a really, really good devout Jew that doesn't break mm -hmm. the law. Yeah. Awesome. Two, yeah, yeah. two enthusiastic thumbs up. Getting healed on the Sabbath? Yeah, absolutely. Uh-uh. Yeah. That's yeah. not the kind of transformation I signed mm -hmm. up for. I reject it. I, I'm skeptical about mm -hmm. it. I don't like it. Yeah. It's evil even yeah. in their mind. I Rejection. Mm -hmm. And so maybe... Could you just talk a little bit more about like w if there's examples for you that that's been moments where transformations happen? You're like, I'm not a huge fan of this transformation. Yeah, yeah, I, I think there definitely are. So, so I, it's it's interesting. Like, I think that the kind of petty religious struggles you see with the Pharisees, at least I would be comfortable describing them as petty. They probably wouldn't be. Um, <laughs> Like I think you see reflected. We need to get a good Pharisee today. on this show. Yeah, we really do. They can advocate for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> I think you see it reflected today in some of the weird theological struggles that we've like had in the the broader church, where people believe like, yeah. I mean, you go back five hundred years. John Calvin hung people in bell towers. 
because they got their theology wrong. His own nephew, as, as far as I can remember it, like people died over these particular like nuances because they couldn't believe that that people could encounter encounter God in something different than their own little little box of stuff. So so I think you see that almost every time, like the moment that John Wesley takes the church outside of the Church of England environment, even though he, he would say he never left. But yeah. the moment he starts creating these structures and things for people to gather in small groups, it's a whole bunch of people that think this is like heretical. Um, I remember this moment talking to one of Laura's uncles. His son had started following Jesus again. And and her uncle Mike is or is now a retired free Methodist pastor. And his son got really involved in like a, a neo-reformed group, like very strongly Calvinist. Yeah. And you hear that in all of his language. And and I, I remember saying to Mike, like, oh, how do you feel about like the, the group he's connected with? And he uh, he is the opposite of everything we're talking about here. Because his response was, Do you know what, Alex? I'm just so glad he's following Jesus. Like, like, I mean, completely able to lay down the mm. the quirks of denominational belief and stuff. Yeah. Over just I just want him to follow Jesus. Yeah. Uh, if you're if your destination is Jesus. Win-win. Yeah, are the, are, the, are, the, the, are the multiple denominational roads that are leading in that direction? Hopefully so. But, but I, I think there's been this, like, this probably this fear that, oh, man, we have to get every single detail right theologically for, for God to be happy with how our church is operating. I've even had people ask me that question about, like, with church, with, with different things with South. Like, aren't, the, the elder question that we're having right now, aren't you afraid of getting it wrong? Uh, and, and what I would say is, well, like I think by nature, I always hope to be part of a community that's making the right decision. But am I worried on some existential level that I might get to eternity and God say, really cross with the decision you made? Yeah, there? you're no longer invited yeah, because... Absolutely. I actually have no concerns about that whatsoever. Yeah. Like I trust him to be able to understand my heart. I trust him to, as far as I'm able, to be able to say, God, I'd like to be involved in leading a community with a bunch of other people, with elders, with staff, with you know, the, the people that we gather with. Yeah. Towards him in the best way possible. But am I worried he's going to be like, oh, you, you didn't get that right? Yeah. So, so, and I think that's what you see with the, the Pharisees, like this deep fear of there's a lot of I's and T's that have to be crossed before something's acceptable. As yeah. a miracle. And they did this. I mean, this isn't just with Jesus. They did this. This They did this with themselves. Yeah. Like a miracle would happen. Someone prayed and, and they had they had to go and investigate everything to make sure everything like happened as it was supposed to happen and all those different things. Like this was just mm-hmm. who they'd become. Um, and so I think like by broad extension, church denominations, what have they done over the years? They've said, these are the things that we think are important in transformation. Like, you know, 70 years ago, 50 years ago, whatever it was, it was hair length for guys and, and skirt length for girls. Yeah. Um, like for a whole bunch of years in the evangelical church, it was divorce. And now we've actually like evangelical churches as a whole have loosened a lot on that. Yeah, maybe too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and so that for a while was like the big thing of like, these are the things that God cares about. Now it's probably abortion or something like that or voting Democrat or who knows, like it could be anything like, yeah, but, but I think we, we look at people and we say, Hmm. if you've experienced God, 
this is something we expect to change and this is what we expect it to look like. Um, yeah. And, and actually realizing God's priorities might be very different for us. I, I had a friend back in England who he pastored a small church and it was all old Pentecostal Christians. Like everyone was in there like not so old now. Actually, now I think about it, like it seemed old at the time. Everyone yeah. was like 50 plus and now I'm like 41. So I'm like, yeah. not, not old at all. Not that like, old at relatively all. Relatively young. Yeah. Um, in the prime of their yeah. life. <laughs> <laughs> but but historic Christians have been around Histor- for a while. <laughs> Yes, and, um, it seems even more insulting. Yeah, it does. It is, yeah. I'm from. Insulting. Hi, I'm here from church history. <laughs> <laughs> Established Christians. Yeah. By the way, I do want to acknowledge our guest that's joined us today. We have a fly. Oh, it's just buzzing around. It's buzzing around. So, um, yeah, it. if you do watch the show, I just want to acknowledge that our we have a special guest today. Yeah, I appreciate. <laughs> All right, carry on. Um, yeah. And and he said, you know, this young couple walked into the church. And started attending, started getting really involved. And and after a while, he had these leaders in the church start come to me, coming to him and saying, like, oh, you know, they're not married. Like, they're living together, but they're not married. And he kind of took the this leadership group aside, and he said something like, like, I know where they are in life. If any of you says anything to them, I will persecute you personally. Like, <laughs> like, like, God will do his work in his time. Uh, and he said, like, sometime later, they came over to his house for dinner. And in the midst of conversation, they just said, so we've been reading the Bible together. Like, shouldn't we be married if we're living together? Uh, and he was like, well, yeah, actually, the, the biblical view is marriage is like is monogamous and covenantal, all those different things that we've talked about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that would be that would be like following in the way of Jesus. Uh, and he said the, the guy looked at the girl and he was like, well, I love you. Do you love me? And she was like, yeah. And he said, do you want to get married? And she was like, yeah, absolutely. And he said they had this like mini proposal, like right at his dinner table. But it was organic transformation. It was God working in the hearts of his people. Yeah. All right. So let's let's linger there for a moment. Why why is it that it it seems like and it's we're very selective with this, by mm, the way, oh, as yeah, evangelicals. Very, yeah, yeah. Um with certain issues, we want people to clean it up before they enter in. Mm-hmm. With other issues, we don't pay attention to it at all. Yeah. Um, well, do, do you not think like so? Like, what? What? Why aren't we comfortable with progressive transformation? Um, because because I, I think my my take on it is that would we're uncomfortable with people being untransformed where we are transformed and not comfort. Uh, sorry, let me say that again. Let me start again because I may have said it the wrong way around. We're uncomfortable with people being untransformed where we've experienced transformation, but we're not comfortable, but we are comfortable, sorry, with people being untransformed where we're still waiting for transformation. So I still struggle regularly with pride. Am I concerned? I don't blame you, man. You're pretty yeah. epic. <laughs> am, I, am I concerned? If I were you, I'd struggle too. <laughs> Ooh. Um, just am I comfortable with someone coming in and wrestling still with pride as a new follower of Jesus? Yeah. Absolutely, because I still don't have it fixed. I, I'm mm. still struggling. I'm still there, like in the like, um, am I comfortable with someone coming in and struggling with lustful thoughts like in their mind that occur to them throughout the day 
yeah, I'm okay because I still wrestle with those things as like 90 whatever percent of humanity is. But I have a prototypical marriage. So when someone comes in who's not like that and wants to bring that to the community, that it's harder, I think, yeah, for, for me to say, like, oh, it's okay to be there. I, I, my language is clean. I don't use any words that most people would agree are like words that you... Like, I don't use any words that would make people uncomfortable. In Other than so. homely. Other than uh, homely, yeah. Which... <laughs> if you have to check last week's episode if you want to find out about that one. <laughs> so we, I... we, were, we were developing all these inside jokes <laughs> that only, like, super faithful listeners which will is, ever get. Which is, like, yeah. Yeah, Carol six. Hart, you'll know what we're talking yeah, yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Matt and Chris. <laughs> Matt, Matt and, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so Lloyd, I, Lloyd's another faithful listener. Yeah, absolutely. Right, carry on. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's that comfort level with me. Uh, that's a fascinating insight. I, I think there's something to it. Yeah, like when was the last time someone's like, you know, I really want to get baptized, and you're like, by the way, do you struggle with materialism? Totally. You yeah. you live. I mean, I know one of the biggest struggles in our area in mm. middle class Littleton slash Highlands Ranch and Centennial area is materialism, and it's toxic to the church and we have mm -hmm. no tolerance yeah. for materialistic people what church in is asking that question before baptism yeah zero yeah i don't know of any of those churches that i'm aware of that yeah. ask that question no, it doesn't get asked so but it's it's a little bit of an indictment on whereas jesus spent a ton of time talking about finances yeah. and like this this malicious grip yes. that finance issues can have on the human soul. Yeah, yeah. you might take something he like Jesus. very fleetingly passes on some yeah. of these other issues that we Jesus consider. explicitly commands follow. And I, and I wrestle with this, like, and that's probably why I'm not condemning of it in other people. Jesus explicitly says, when you have a party, don't invite people you already know, go and invite people that nobody else invites. Like that's like one of his most explicit commands in the new Testament. All my parties are people I know. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yowzers. Um, so so, so I this think, is a confession episode, yeah, evidently. I, I, think that, I think that's part of, like, the 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 transformation thing. Like, re really what we're saying to people is, if you're going to be part of our community, at least look like us. Um, yeah. You know. Like, at least have the, the right set of sins that mm -hmm. are lingering. Yeah. Just don't have the wrong set of yeah, sins yeah, that are yeah, lingering. Yeah. So I think that that has been our challenge for, for years. Like every church has things that they're okay with. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah. So, all right. So to make, maybe this will help you make this case a little bit more. You very subtly hinted at a whole study that you didn't have time for on Sunday. And I want you to take some time on it. We've got a little bit of time on it. And here's what it is. After saying, so let me pull this up on the oops, on screen. Oh, that's not our text on screen. Let me go shut this off and get our text on the screen here. Um, mirrors displays text on screen. Perfect. So you said, after saying this, he spat on the ground and made some mud. Mm. And you said, oh, there's a whole like creation implication. We don't have time for that. Yeah. We have time for it, man. Yeah, and... and, and, and What's and, going and, on I mean, here? It feels like it's going to land in your, like, beloved field of study as Which much. is why yeah, I'm yeah, Which up. is why you're asking it, yeah. But that's so, okay. I... Like, yeah, carry on. Yeah, so, so, like, you look at the elements that are in play. Uh, again, that there was a belief rooted in the first century that... 
as far as I would understand. I it. just highlighted the word it with. <laughs> I meant to highlight mud. All right, carry there, on. There was a belief in the first century that it was harder to heal someone who was born lame than became lame. It was harder to heal someone that was born blind than um, became blind. And, and that was based around the idea that it was no longer an act of healing, but it was an act of creation. So, so okay. you lose your sight. The eye is there. It's, it, it used to function. To, to become functional, it had to be healed. If you were born blind, the eye wasn't there. It wasn't functional. It may as well not exist. To heal that person required an actual act of creation. Yeah. Not an act of healing. And again, mm. same, same with a limb or something like that. So when, when the man alludes to, it has never been heard of before that a man would open the eyes of one born blind. He's alluding to that. There aren't creators. There are only healers. Um, wow. Yeah. So when Jesus comes and he spits on the ground and makes mud with it. Which is a callback. Everything calls back to Genesis uh, chapter 2. When God formed yeah. Adam from the dust of the ground. The yeah. dust of the ground. Like So you've got at the beginning of creation, what have you got? You've got water that land comes from. You've got the combination of the two that makes mud. You've got this creative element that's in play. Um, and so like th there's a whole bunch of writers, both Jewish and, and Christian, that would say, no, this is like a clear allusion to being to being an act of creation that jesus in this moment is not healing he's actually creating yes uh, which is very very cool which is i think the this subtle callback um even to support your message of the the idea of this this gradual transformation um you made the case earlier even in this episode that god's god's more interested with the journey um maybe then the destination partly because he is the destination and he's very comfortable just sitting with you on mm -hmm. the journey on the road um that he's he's okay with taking his time to transform uh -huh. and creation screams that like mm -hmm. the genesis account has this like beautiful it's potential energy it's not perfection yeah. it's actually per potential yeah. energy it's a seed mm -hmm. not a plant mm -hmm. it's a all of these things yeah. fill in the blank yeah um so which so the entire created order screams god's really comfortable with taking his time trees that create other trees yep like just such a beautiful piece of land and then die yeah and then yeah. create trees yeah and then except die except like like again like, and i i went full nerd on and i don't know if you read it but i know you know other people that read it uh the hidden life of trees no, a I didn't book. Read it's it, like yeah. this book that's making the circuit, not not particular Christian Make, book. But. Making the circuit a bunch yeah, yeah, yeah. nerds like Alex. Total nerds. <laughs> Carolyn Schmidt is a big fan. She's, yeah. you know, it's uh yeah, it's 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 landed well in nerd territory. But this guy's a forester and he yeah. talks about discovering this tree, um or, or discovering this rock actually originally in the ground. And then he starts scraping at it to see what color it is because it obviously gets dirt on it and stuff, and he finds out it's green. And then he realizes it's not a rock at all. It's a part of a tree. It's this lump of, like, fossilized tree almost that underneath is still green. Uh -huh. And he realizes there's, there's five lumps in a circle with a gap in the middle. And he finally looks at it and says, this is a, this is a tree that's been it's fallen down or, or been forested. 
and it's died, but it's still green. And so what he discovers is the other trees around it are still keeping it alive. Like it's still living, they're providing nutrients to it because this is actually a parent tree of many of the trees that are around it. That's wild. Like it's just crazy stuff, right? That's like, Avatar stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is a little bit, yeah. But but like, yes, there's there's death. But again, like with the Jesus story, is the death? Um, like yes and no. Um there's death and potential life as well. Like it's just, I mean, all just like fascinating how incredible creation is in all of the different elements. So, but even in the story you made, and this isn't the one that where he almost has to do it twice. No. Yeah. But both of them are really weird. Like in, you're like reading all of these other things. He's like, Lazarus come forth. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Um, uh, but a bunch of times, like even the centurion, he's like, yeah, I've got a servant that's sick. You don't even need to come to my house. Just say the word and it'll be done. He's like, done. And then this one, he's like, all right, let's make some mud pies. Yeah. Let's arrange them. And Absolutely. then what's the other account? What's the other? So the other one is Mark chapter eight. Mark and, chapter and, yeah, eight, where he's like. There he just directly spits. He like fails. Eyes. He yeah. like messes up the first time. Yeah. Now I'm seeing like trees. Oh, shoot. I got to do this one again. Yes. Um, but. All of that's this beautiful Mark what? Well, I would say that this Mark, Mark 8, like, and, and this is actually like, this is very standard in terms of a theological reading of Mark. Like, the the point isn't that Jesus was bad at healing. Yes. That he wasn't in the zone that day. Like, that's just <laughs> like, not like... He had an off day. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you see anything? He looked up and said, well, I see people that look like trees walking around. Yeah. Uh, once more, Jesus had to try again. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. This, Then his eyes were opened and his sight was restored yeah, all the so way. Yeah, so if you flick back to the, the pericope or story before that, um, it says... Um, How far back? Uh, Aware of this discussion, he's asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? It might be a little bit before that. Oh, yeah, no, no, it is that one. Yeah, no, you got it. Yeah, yeah. Um, are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see and ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember when I broke the five loaves from the 5,000? Like, like he's yeah. questioning amongst them. He's like, do you not see it yet? Can't you like, see? Like, really? Like, this is it. Like, uh, and, and they don't, of course. They half see. And then, then he tells a story, story about a guy who's yeah. gradually acquiring yeah, yeah. sight. And then in the next one, Jesus and his disciples were walking and he says, who do I say I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others one of the prophets. What about you? And Peter answers, you are the Messiah. Ding, 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 yeah, ding, yeah, yeah. He so finally like, sees. We don't really get it. There's a story about a guy not really getting it. A guy gets it. The disciples get it. And, and Mark does this, like he, a, a great example of Mark doing this is with the, um, the story of the cleansing of the temple. So in, in Mar- Matthew, does Jesus walks past a fig tree and says... Um, like goes to look for figs on it and there's no figs. And so he curses the fig tree. And then it says, and then, then when they passed it the next day, it was dead. Yep. In Mark, Jesus goes to get figs off the fig tree, looks at it and doesn't get figs, curses it, goes to the temple, uh, cleanses the temple, leaves the temple, comes past and walks past the fig tree and And the fig tree's withered and it's dead. Uh, and it's all tied into this idea of no, he went to look for fruit in the temple, yeah, didn't find it, 
And so yeah, and who it. says Mark's the lower educated? Oh yeah, Mark, yeah like Mark's like, a storytelling genius. Yeah, he's, he's a just, master. Yeah, he's, he's a rock star. So so like, the, and that that actually pro- is kind of problematic for us maybe as twenty first century people because the thing that we value almost above every other writing trait is chronological accuracy. Um, yeah, and it, efficiency of communication yeah. is like just just tell me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're like, wait, hold on a second. Did he go to the temple first? Or did it, I mean, I mean, even like as a theological conundrum, like there's been a whole bunch of people that have said Jesus must have cleansed the temple twice. Because in Mark and Matthew, it's like really close to the end of his ministry. Yeah. And in John, it's like right at the start. Yeah. Um, and of course, John and Mark are sitting at Jesus in Jesus present right now going, oh, my goodness, they're yeah, yeah, totally yeah. missing. <laughs> yeah, the yeah, point. yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this was all part of our plan. And absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So so yeah. so it's it's actually possible that he actually I think I got that wrong as well. I think Mark, it's at the start. right? Yeah. yeah. John, it's at the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's quite possible that they just put the story where it best illustrated what they wanted to share or what the holy spirit wanted to share in that particular thing so so we well, yeah because of our worship of cr- chronological accuracy uh, as almost being like a a moral judgment of a writing yeah we're like which, we're like it's unethical to change the order of which events happened yeah which is which stems from like the scientific revolution and yeah. some debates taking place there where we felt like we had to cling to certain sorts of specifics yeah that the text doesn't even demand of itself. No. So one final question yeah. for you. Uh, this was the last week of our Yes If series. No, next week is the last week. Wait, what? This Sunday is the last week. Oh, yes, you're right. This one Sunday. Sorry. I'm like, I'm, well, I'm already prepped for next <laughs> week. My, my set list is ready. Yeah, it's basically done in your head. But, no, this week was, sorry, you're right. My The actual question was related to how does this connect to encounters with Jesus that mm-hmm. lead to transformation? Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've talked about transformation, mm-hmm. but um, like, what do you want for people this week? It's it's several days removed from your message. Mm-hmm. Why is that so significant for our community be, to be a, a a community that deals with, advocates for, understands God's way of doing transformation mm-hmm. well? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that I would never want us to lose the idea that Jesus brings transformation because he always does. So that's really where we started with this week, right? Like, it's yeah. like, for whatever reason, Jesus is able to do hospitality with people and there's always transformation. Like, he doesn't need just one mm-hmm. or the other. And I think that's been a real wrestling in churches, you know, like for, for a, a long time, like, even like with some of the mainline churches, I think with the mainline churches that really loosened some of their understanding of what Christian ethics were and how, like mm. what the call of Jesus might be towards something like holiness or. Yeah. I think they had this expectation that it would open the floodgates and people would pour in. And it really didn't like in actual fact, the mainline churches continued to shrink. And the charismatic churches were the ones that actually grew. There were churches with like this more demanding ethic. Um, yeah. So I'd never want us to be a, a, a community that said hospitality to such a degree that there is no call to a changed life. So 
so what I'm hearing you say is there's actually a healthy tension between week one yeah, and week two of I the think series. So, yeah. Like, let's be crazy hospitable. Uh-huh. Yeah. And yet, you know, I love, I mean, I sang the song on Sunday as a closer. There's the bridge of the song that says, uh, you know, there's the chorus of the song says, um, you love me as you find me. Yeah, yeah. Hospitality, yeah. right? You love yeah. me as you find me. And then the bridge says, your love's too good to leave yeah. me here. And so, that's like that's true love. the the true The truest expression of love is this say, this willingness to embrace someone and say, "I love you. I like you. Mm-hmm. I see you who for who you are, and I embrace it one hundred percent." Hey, by the way, there's a better way of living. Let's step into that. That's this combination of a full fledged love that's invitational. Yeah, and I think, I think we. It's weird that the church is maybe one of the few places that the world doesn't accept this of. Maybe because it is it is like demanding in terms of what the ethics are, but like if you've ever visited any club, call it that, that's passionate about anything, like they're, they're self-confessedly passionate about the things that they're centered around. So you might find a place that's really welcoming. I started rock climbing when I lived in Ann Arbor in this great rock climbing indoor gym. And it was actually pretty welcoming. Everyone wanted to help me kind of get acquainted with everything. The guy that taught me like the belay systems and stuff, he was awesome. Um, I was actually really welcome there, but had I just lingered around and said, yeah, I don't really, li- I don't want to climb though. I'm just going to like, like, would they have let me? Probably. They were really nice people. Would they have thought it was really weird that I was there and didn't want to climb stuff? Yeah, they probably would. And, and we're all okay you with show that. show up every day. Yeah, just, just to watch yeah, just, people just, climb. I'm here to watch. Yeah. They're like, okay. It's kind of awkward that you like looking at us from this yeah, angle yeah, over yeah, and yeah. over again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you, you know, you turn up at something nerdy like a Dungeons and Dragons club or something like that. Like John Eggman. No interest. Oh, yeah. um, like, and just like, I'm just here to watch. Like, again, it's like, is it possible? Is it theoretically doable? Yeah. But, but actually, no, the belief is that you're there because you want to participate in the things that the community is centered around. Yeah. Uh, and I think that like there's this there's this dynamic with the church that it's it's supposed to welcome and Jesus always welcomed but it's supposed to transform because Jesus always transforms. Yeah. And I would hate to, us to lose that element that like transformation seems to happen when people encounter Jesus. But he's he's actually very bold in giving them next steps to 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 follow up with like some of it is like yeah go and give all your possessions to the poor. Yeah. Sometimes it's um well, yeah, like um go and sin no more. <laughs> like that that's a pretty broad like ethic. Like this there always seems to be that. Uh sometimes implicit, sometimes explicit, sometimes like they volunteer it, like Zacchaeus, like you know, the guy in the tree. Yeah. If I've robbed from anyone, I'm gonna restore it fourfold. Oh, and I'm gonna give half away half my wealth away. So maybe some of the underneath the surface teaching point for our community is the invitations to encounter Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's some trust that as people encounter Jesus, he's inevitably going to invite them to, to yeah. take next and the, steps. And then like, how do you do this? Well, like, cause we, cause part of the reason it's there is a, as a reminder to people like you and I, like, it's very easy to just get used to planning a good experience. Yeah. It's really easy as a small group leader to really care about like what did you provide in the way of food? Yeah, like we what's need, the we welcome? Need coffee, like, yeah, we, we need bu- yeah. decaf often option and this. Like, let's get the hospitality yeah. piece correct. Let's get through the discussion and make sure we. But check, actually, check, check, yeah. having that moment in mind, like which we talked about this week when we paused in the middle of a song just to say, okay, we're not just here to sing this song. 
great words. How do you actually be as no be as aware as any human can be that that you might encounter the divine in that moment that yeah. you might encounter Jesus in that moment. Yeah, transformation actually happens when people meet Jesus. Yeah, so, not a good planned service. Yeah, or even the invitation isn't to transformation by itself. Mm-hmm. It's actually, so it's not like, hey, come be a better person. Mm-hmm. Come encounter Jesus, and then he will lead you on mm-hmm. a journey towards growing in his way with yeah. his heart. Um, I felt like I had one more question that I wanted to cover but maybe i don't we should go over an hour or no i didn't but i just had a curiosity (laughs) that now it's it's escaping my mind good job we've got next week so next week it's us recorded the week after it's us recorded but the week after that it's the live one yes yes so we'll we'll communicate clearly hopefully for you folks you'll be hearing about it from platform uh, soon about the live in-person thing, but there'll be one week that's a slightly different schedule, mm. which is the live week. And that's Monday the 11th. Indeed. The 11th, 6.30, bring your caffeine hunger, <laughs> whatever it is. 6510 South Broadway. Yep. I love and, it. And uh, I think that's it. I, I, I'm sad because I feel like I had a cool question. <laughs> We'll get uh, back to it next week. You can send it I'm in so to the chat. This uh, whole can, episode has been a failure. You can text it to the number on screen. I feel like I've dropped the ball. I feel like I failed you all because uh, I forgot this question. It was yeah. so good. Yeah, I'm um, sure just was. joking. Yeah. Uh, love you all. Yeah, love you Like, guys. subscribe, give watching. us a review. It really does help the show. Um, uh, Matt and Kristen Rummel are bringing their pickleball paddles to the to live the live episode. showing. Yeah, yeah, I believe. Wow. All right. And their new little one, right? Huh? No? No. Okay. All right. So let me see. Oh, Matt. Matt. Matt, not Bart. Brett. Not Brett. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm, I'm just trying to kill time to find the button to start. <laughs> <laughs> this is every week. Teresa makes fun of me. She's like, you know you close the episode every week by trying to find the end button. <laughs> That's just how it goes. It's part of our show. Bye. Bye. Bye.